This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Will Friedle, the voice of the future Dark Knight, Batman Beyond, and you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at dcaureview.com and on your favorite podcast app. And remember a few things. First, Dana deserves better. And second, I am Batman. You're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming on iTunes and at Facebook.com slash DCAU Review. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome, everybody, to episode 26 of the DCAU Review. Hard to believe we've already been through this many episodes. Uh, as always, I am your co-host, Cal. Alongside me today, as he is every single time we record one of these, is my brother and good friend, Liam. Liam, episode 26. And it's an exciting one. We're covering our first episode of Batman Beyond today. Yes. Uh, we've obviously covered Batman, and we've uh, been going through those one by one from the beginning. We uh, took a little bit of a different path with Superman sort of picked and choose, uh, chose some of our, our favorites from and some of our not-so-favorites from, uh, <laughs> uh, from the, the long run of Superman. But uh, here with Batman Beyond, we're going back to basics here. We're starting with episode one, Rebirth, or technically episodes one and two, Rebirth parts one and two. Uh, it originally aired in primetime as a uh, an hour-long, uh, I guess, kind of like a TV movie type yeah. deal. And uh, so we're obviously reviewing it as as kind of one episode, but it, it is on the DVD and it's officially classified in the season as two separate episodes. But yeah, uh, a lot to get into here. We're starting a new show, though. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. Um, I guess before we before we get into the actual episode and, and the breakdown and doing the scoring and, and such. Uh, as we did, I think, with Superman. Uh, it would be good just to share some of our thoughts, our memories on, on this. I can remember the very first promo uh, that they played on the kids' WB announcing they were doing Batman Beyond, and uh, it kind of being a shock to the system. It's like, what? Yeah. Wait, what is this? Like, it's Bruce Wayne is in it, but he's not Batman, and there's guys that look like the Joker running around, but there's multiple clowns. So, like, oh, there's a Joker in the future. Yeah. Like it. It was very odd. Uh, but I, I definitely remember watching the episode when it premiered and being like, "Wow, this is gonna be." This is going to be different. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I was probably thirteen or fourteen, or maybe when it, maybe if that old when it premiered. Um, and, but and thinking, oh man, this is going to be different. Like this is going to be strange, not being the normal Batman that we're used to growing up. But uh, 
it really created its own identity and has lived yeah. a, a life outside of the DCAU. It's now continuity in the DC comics and um, yeah. one of those cool character things that have crossed over uh, due to popularity into into main continuity in DC comics. So, what about you? What, what were your th- some of your thoughts? Um, any memories that you have about this before it was premiering or when well, it was coming I, out? I, I remember just thinking it was it's crazy. It was it's cool because when you're a kid, it's just it's just more stuff to watch. Sure. <laughs> um, I mean, for a while there, uh, you know, Kids WB was airing Batman, Superman, and Batman Beyond all basically at the same time. Yep. So our Saturday mornings were pretty full with yeah. uh, with stuff to watch. And we didn't watch a lot of TV growing up. So Correct. So we, were, we were allowed to watch Batman and Superman stuff, though. Yeah. So, so that was uh, we were always excited to have a, a new show to watch. And, certainly. Um, yeah. When you're a kid, I think maybe it it does help you connect to Batman, and maybe a way you can't with the adult already completely polished Batman that we see in the animated series. As cool of a character as that is, maybe. Like, for me, I remember I was always a really big fan of the character of Robin in either the uh, original animated series or new Batman and, sure. uh, Adventures, especially new Batman Adventures, because he was closer to my age. And right. it's it's easier to kind of visualize the decisions that that character has to make than it is for an adult man in yeah. his 30s to make. <laughs> so having a teenage Batman uh, with Terry here, I think that was, it was cool because for a younger kid, whether you're a teenager or even younger... Uh, at that point, you can you can kind of identify with him, and because he's not super polished, as we'll get to as we go through this first episode, uh, it, it you you kind of grow with him. You see him become more confident, become more skilled as the series goes on. Um, and so I, I just remember that yeah that that basic idea. And there's there's stuff I remember being like oh you know Bruce Wayne's old, and that's kind of weird to see because you don't really think of characters. Like, fictional characters like that aging, you know, Batman's been around since 1939 and is still in his 30s somehow. So, <laughs> so the idea of them actually, like, point of fact aging Bruce Wayne into being, like, an elderly man who needs a cane to walk. And, uh, you know, especially, and, and at that age, delving into, we talk about this a lot, with, with especially with Batman, of delving into subjects that most kids' cartoons wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole... Bruce Wayne, when we meet him in this show, and we can kind of start to jump into plot right here, everyone has left him. Yeah. Tim is gone. Dick is gone. Barbara's gone. Alfred's gone. Alfred is Alfred is deceased, obviously. Uh, you know, Gordon, Bullock, everyone we knew from the new Batman adventures. Obviously, we do see Barbara Gordon as the commissioner later on. But for the most part, we don't see any of those recurring characters again. Right. So Bruce is all alone. He's living in his big, giant mansion all dark inside. Right. The no light, lights on. No the lights are on. It's perpetually raining there for some reason just over top of Wayne Manor. Uh, and he's got a dog. And, like, he's just an old man with walking around with a cane and he's got a dog. And that's that's what he has to show for his time, all of the energy that he put into being Batman. It left him old and alone. Well, and, and you know, of course they delve more into that later on in Return of the Joker. Yeah. Uh, movie for sure, uh, but you know I, I think it also is is unique in seeing how he it shows you basically how he decides to give up the Batman mantle, um, yeah. Because you know they they intimate and there are plenty of Watchtower database videos out there speculating uh, how old Batman was when he retired.
retired and stuff like that. But you know, you figure he's in his fifties, probably. Sure. Uh, when he's when he re- finally hangs it up, um, and it's really because of this incident, he has a heart attack and then threatens to sh- shoot a guy with a gun. Yes. Uh, which causes him to realize he's he's not. I don't know. Like, what do you think that the, like the psych, the psychology behind that he's, he realizes that he can't do it anymore. Like without resorting to things that he doesn't believe in, I guess. Yeah. I think that, that is kind of the long and short of it is that he's, his body is broken down and he had to pull a gun on a, a very common thug. This isn't, he wasn't fighting Bane or somebody. He was just fighting like a group of thugs. who had kidnapped a girl. Right. And he's, you know, he's overcome with, as you said, this kind of heart heart attack, heart episode, whatever it's supposed to be, and uh, has to pull a gun in order to save himself. And I think that, and that is the moment of him, sh- his hands are shaking and he throws the gun down and, and then it cuts to him in the back cave where he said, you know, he puts the, the suit back in the, in the case and says never again and turns the lights off. But yeah, that, that is a jumping off point. Um, it's powerful, like the 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 image of Bruce pulling the gun in this moment of desperation, and then as the guy runs away, looking at his hand holding the gun. That's really powerful stuff. No, you you're absolutely right, and you mentioned it. Um, I think you said you're like this this Batman in particular, and depending on what uh, interpretation of Batman you followed or read or or what have you, Batman and guns typically. He doesn't use a gun. There's a there's a famous uh, year two graphic novel that they did sort of follow up to Frank Miller's year one where he did carry a gun in the comics yeah. for that second year. I don't even know or think that's in continuity anymore uh, if it's been retconned out. But uh, regardless, Batman doesn't carry guns. He's always had a stance against guns. But there have been some sort of like... Yeah, gray areas where <laughs> Dark have Knight, like a bazooka or something. Right, he's not afraid to have missiles attached to the Batmobile. Right, or if if you've ever read Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns, his tank he has a tank that shoots. Or if you watched any of the uh, the DC movies that have come out in the last uh, ten years, yeah, uh, Batman doesn't seem to have a problem with with shooting people yeah. with guns. Yeah, so. Uh, but your your point was is that this Batman from day one is that's that's a big no no. You know the famous PSA line: children and guns don't mix. But definitely Batman <laughs> yes. and guns do not yes, mix correct. ever. Uh, so for him to have to pick up a gun, I think, and and realize what his what he's kind of come to is is kind of this realization that eh, maybe I need to hang up the cowl. Um, other than that, um, I th- thought the other interesting thing is uh, that this episode did, and I thought that it did well, um, was that it set up its own identity and, and alluded enough to the past to not make it feel completely alien or completely you know, distant from the original source material, but yeah. it didn't rely completely on nostalgia. And I think that's why this... this series ended up doing so well is because it wasn't just and i think i remember hearing an interview it's either i think it's on one of the commentaries on the dvds where bruce tim said they didn't just want to do okay every villain beyond yeah like but he's not going to have the same rogues gallery just like 50 years in the future in different versions so it gave them the 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 you know the the creators the the ability to kind of work in a new toolbox and create new characters and not just use the same ones that have been around for forever yeah um so you know they mentioned 
uh, I think the the girl that was kidnapped was Veronica Vre- was Veronica Vreeland's daughter or yes. something. It sounds like Bunny Vreeland they call her. Um, there's a mention, of course, of Commissioner Barbara Gordon, uh, and then of course you have Bruce in the Batcave with with the old uh, uniforms of the Nightwing and the Batgirl, Robin and Batman suits. Yeah. Um, but you, other than that, they kind of let this episode stand on its own. It's not relying heavily at all on the Batman past. Yeah, that's very true. It and that I think is to its credit. It after that little, you know, the 2 minute opening bit with Bruce it immediately jumps 20 years later. They introduce you to Terry, they introduce you to the, the sort of overall world. The first thing you see is Terry's riding what is essentially a subway, but instead of it being like a train, it's basically an elevator where the, you know, the poor of the city are sort of it's still the same old Gotham for them. You know, right. it's still grimy gross there's still crime everywhere but then it's sort of built on top of them almost literally on their backs <laughs> is this sort of new utopia yeah. uh for the for the rich and powerful of gotham uh so seeing the the subway elevator car literally take them from the slums up to i guess where they work or go to school i thought that's really powerful and immediately you meet one of the joker's gang yeah uh you you immediately they start establishing and, and building that world and it's it's really effective. It, show, it shows you who Terry is. He intervenes when this when this Joker guy is harassing a, a lady on the on the on the subway, and everybody else literally turns their yes. head. <laughs> yes, everyone else is too scared and literally looks the other way, quite literally. Yeah. And Terry's the one guy who stands up for him, which leads him to. And it's kind of established early on that he can he can take he can you know he can handle himself, he can take care of himself, but his his mouth or his temper can kind of get him into issues you see him on the wrestling team getting mm-hmm. into a fight you see you know the jokers confront him again at a club later after he's had this fight with his dad and you know they which of course ends up leading to him being chased to wayne manor right where we finally get terry and bruce to meet but that that sort of uh, that early establishment of, of terry being a guy who will stand up for what's right he may not be like the best kid it's established that he's gotten into a lot of fights at school mm-hmm. but he's not He's not a. Be- it's made very clear that he is a good person, and that yeah. he has a certain a certain moral code, a certain attitude that he lives by, um, and that he can't just stand by when he sees injustice happening, especially to people he cares about. Absolutely, and I think. Um, I mean, the rest of the plot is. Um, it. You know, it lays it out. They, they, it's an origin story. Yeah. And that, that in and of itself is also unique for Batman because we didn't get a Batman origin story in the True. original Batman the animated series. So, of course, you have Terry. His, his father is killed. Um, he finds out, uh, sort of through happenstance, that it's, <laughs> uh, D- Derek Powers is the person that's behind having him killed. Um, and, uh, he's, he steals the bat suit to kind of exact revenge. Uh, and try and, and bring his father's killer to justice, um, which is good because they didn't go down the route that he wanted to kill. Like they could have easily just done the old cliched, "Oh, he's going to kill him," and Bruce yeah. has to convince him not to. His goal from the start, which kind of shows you his character, and maybe that's why Bruce decides so quickly to bring him into the the fold, so to speak, is that his gut instinct wasn't to kill. Yeah, the, it wasn't to you know to kill the guy that killed his. Even though that's kind of what happened, <laughs> uh, he doesn't kill. You know, his goal wasn't to kill the guy that killed his dad. His goal was to bring him to bring him to justice. So, um, for the plot o- overall, uh, my score was eight out of ten um, because I th- I think it's 
good and you consider it in a bubble like okay this is a a pilot episode they have a lot they have to do to take to to tell here a few the the only plot hole that i that i felt william was perhaps the uh and i kind of maybe just explained it away myself there just a second ago but just the like the rapid nature in which bruce was willing to accept this teenager (laughs) as batman <laughs> well yeah and as you mentioned it's it's established pretty quickly why he allows him to go after powers and mr fix right they talk about how you know terry tells him like i know you never got to confront your parents killer but not only can i confront them i can also stop them from shipping nerve gas to a foreign government right like i got like again that that speaks to who terry is and i also think it's worth bringing up that uh with terry we'll get into our plot scores here in just a second but uh, Terry sort of embodies traits uh, a lot of the the comic book version of the Tim Drake Robin, mm-hmm. in the sense that he, in in the comics he didn't set out to he didn't he discovers that Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson were Batman and Robin, and he realizes that Batman is needs a Robin, mm-hmm. but he doesn't immediately go well I'll be Robin right he says he asks he goes to Dick Grayson with the suit and says you should be Robin right Bruce needs you. His goal is not he see he sees what needs to be done, but his immediate instinct is not let me put on this suit. Uh, in the same way, Terry doesn't immediately go, "Hey, I want to be Batman." He begs Bruce to do something. Right. He begs him to put the suit on. You've got to. I mean, the literal line is, "You've got to do something." You're Batman. Right. Um. And when Bruce find and Bruce and he Bruce just tells him to go to the cops, basically. Right. <laughs> And it's established, Terry mentions, that the cops are very cozy with Derek Powers. And so Terry basically doesn't believe that anything will happen sure. if, if if he just goes to the cops. Um, so in that moment, he sees that, well, if nobody else can do this, I have to be the one to do it. And that's when he goes and steals the suit. He doesn't steal it for a joyride. Right. He's not a Batman fanboy that, you know, discovers the Batcave and immediately tries to put the suit on. True. He... He he's looking for justice for his father and to stop this nerve gas from being uh, distributed, and he realizes he is the only one who's going to be able to do it, and that's when he puts the suit on. I thought that was a really powerful, uh, as we mentioned a little earlier, of of who Terry is, really establishing that right off the bat. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, what did you end up giving the score for the plot? So I went with seven out of ten. I think it's really strong. You mentioned uh, some of the plot holes. We went from Bruce allowing Terry to use the suit for this one time to, at the end of the episode, he basically tells him he can be Batman full time. Right. Um, that is a kind of a jarring switch. And I thought some of the, the early flashback scene, Bruce dramatically grabbing his chest and, <laughs> and everything just kind of suddenly like it, like he's punched out like six guys. And, then, and I understand <laughs> heart attacks can happen very randomly. I understand that maybe that's very accurate to how it would be, you know, Heart What's, attacks can happen at any time. Right. That's the PSA. PSA right. Just, <laughs> PSA for the elderly people watching uh, Batman Beyond. Don't fight crime when you're over the age <laughs> right. of 55. Don't smother your kids. Right. Um, <laughs> fake PSAs. But anyway, uh, so I thought that was a little heavy-handed. So there's, there's some minor stuff that I thought, and, and the plot of, of, of in and of itself is, is pretty basic. <laughs> but uh, overall, yeah, still very strong, still better than average, so I went 7 out of 10. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I, I already mentioned I, I gave it eight, eight out of ten. Uh, it's strong. It's a good start uh, with a few plot holes in there for sure. All right, uh, let's jump over to uh, to music, shall we? Um, so, 
thoughts on music, at least my, my thoughts on music, is you have your opening scene that introduces this, sort of your transition piece as we discussed, uh, Batman, or Bruce Wayne in the Batman Beyond suit, uh, having his heart attack and falling over <laughs> his PSA. He's falling and he can't get up. Right, right, exactly. Um, <laughs> he's falling and he can't get up. Um, so, it, you know, you have your classic orchestral ba- Batman themes in that in that in that scene, uh, and then it transitions very quickly. Uh, well, we get the we get the certainly get the awesome new Batman Beyond theme uh, song. Heck yeah, uh, which we'll mention a, a little bit later. But uh, the the new theme, and we get heavy guitars come in. There's a there's a heavy uh, rock rock uh electric guitar you know wailing type sound uh that comes through and it's established again this series wanted to establish itself on its own tying and and giving nods and honoring the past but making its own sort of little corner in the dcau uh so it it wanted to be different in that way i guess plus i I think you you mentioned when when we were watching it that there were two other shows that that they were doing at the same time uh, Basically, the same crew was now doing three shows at once because they were. I, I don't exactly know the exact amount of time that all three shows were in production together, but obviously they were all airing together for I think well over a year. Right. So you had Superman, you had Batman, the new Batman Adventures, and then you had Batman Beyond. Right. All happening at, at or around the same time. So some of the some of the same people. Shirley Walker looked like I think we saw in the credit she was a supervisor, but she wasn't. She, yeah, she was like supervising conductor or something. Which is, I think, kind of what Danny Elfman was to her on the original okay. Batman film. Okay. Which means she didn't actually conduct the orchestra. She may have written some of the music for right. it. But uh, Christopher Carter is the guy who made the main theme, um, who ends up becoming a, you know, he, he does tons of work with uh, the rest of the DCAU shows, Justice League and and so forth. Uh, Michael McQuiston actually did the music for, uh, for at least for, for part two. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of those those newer uh, conductors where it's not, you know, where, again, because you're doing three shows at once, you Everybody can't be as hands-on as Certainly they would not. be when they were just doing one or even two. Yeah, my, my thought on that is that there are some things in the music that work. I think that it's good establishing itself, um, but it's kind of all over the place, at least in this first episode. Yeah. Um, it's You get the orchestral, then you get the rock and roll, and then you get some like choiry phantasm type stuff in yeah. the background um which is good and and it was and music is a big part of these episodes because i think it is such a different type of music it's going to make a bigger impact naturally because it's guitars and it's drums and it's not just and it's electronic sounds and it's not just strings and yeah. and you know or harp or horns or whatever in the background um so it's i think it's going to stand out naturally automatically but then the closing scene, um, so the very end scene where Bruce comes to Terry's uh, uh, mom's apartment after uh, Terry stops the nerve ass thing from happening, delivery from happening, and uh, he offers him this job, and it's the first interaction uh, really between the two of them as as allies, as Bruce calls it. He's offering him the uh, quote-unquote job to be right. a gopher, but really he's offering him the mantle of the Batman. And uh, it's just... It's kind of bizarre acoustic guitar <laughs> with drums. It did like it was immediately because I couldn't think of another episode. Maybe, maybe like the Justice League Old West episode. There's some acoustic guitar, but like there's not a lot of acoustic guitar in DCAU music that I can think of. No, I think in the Forgotten in that yeah, episode, there is definitely there's some. some acoustic guitar in that, but that's because it's like 
desert right. western or whatever. It's not right. not western, but desert like folksy or whatever it is. Right. And and coming from what we have mostly heard was as you mentioned, there's there's some dance like electronic music yeah. and and as you mentioned the the rock and everything. It is it is a little jarring. I went six out of ten personally. I think there's still some strong moments. The sort of the the electric guitar refrain mm-hmm. when he has the fight with his dad in part one, when he comes home and sees that his dad is dead, and then a, a few more times throughout the uh, the rest of, of the episode. There's I like the introduction of a more rock theme. It's again, it's not super overbearing when it's there, but I think what you raise is pretty valid as far as uh, as far as the it's just it's just a lot. It's just a lot going on. It's a lot, and it's all over the place, and it's and it's hard when you're introducing a new, uh, you know, a new aspect of the universe. I guess yeah. um, for that also to be kind of all over the place. So I gave it five out of ten. All right. Uh, so moving on to I guess let's talk visuals next, Liam. Um, so you already touched on it briefly when we were talking about the plot, about, uh, the new Gotham look, yeah. uh, neon signs everywhere, giant, tall, square buildings, mm-hmm. um, sort of odd shapes also at times. Everything's futuristic. It's like, uh, I don't know. Like it's weird. Cause Batman, the animated series was future retro yeah. sort of. Uh, the original Batman the animated series, and then when it was streamlined, I I don't know what it was like. Super uh, Batman was like original Batman was like like thirties future, right? Superman was more like fifties or sixties future, and and new- this is this feels like Batman Beyond feels it feels Blade Runnery to me. Like yeah, it's good call. it's dingy, gross, good call. like future. Yep. a little bit more with some like Tron with the motorcycles yeah. or like yeah, Tron. For sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so you have a it's a new look. Um it it definitely I mean, you know it's Gotham because they say it's Gotham, but I I being honest, it doesn't feel like the same Gotham that Bruce was a part of, and I think sure. maybe that's intentional like you said, maybe the fact that they've built this new city on top of the old Gotham and they're yeah. trying, you know, it's it's got a new look and uh you know, there's now there's multi-billionaires and international uh, people come flying in to uh, to make business deals between countries and stuff like that. You yeah. Know? So maybe Gotham is is turned around. Maybe this is New York post the 1980s, yeah. I guess, if, if you're like comparing it to the real-life New York. But um, I think visually, I, I think there's, there's a lot of good... Um, my score uh, was a little bit lower than than perfect. It was um, my score is eight out of ten, and my, my one gripe is the scenes in the Bat Cave. And this is something they, from what I remember, they do throughout the series. It's just an odd choice. Um, you have the Bat Cave, and there's very it's supposed to be low lighting, and the Bat Computer is you know lighting the the faces of the characters in the yeah. Bat Cave, usually Terry and Bruce. And it, for some reason, it gives them this weird purple hue <laughs> to their skin color, yeah, or to their to their clothes, and it changes their skin color from the normal flesh tone to this weird yellowy color. And Bruce's eyes are super like jaundiced looking. Yeah, it's a very odd color choice, and it makes it feel like 
I don't know, like it's worn down or like the animation needed to be cleaned or something like that. It just feels like you're holding an, a yellowing comic book or something like a yeah. yellowing newspaper or something like that. Like, like, Oh, this is old and should be cleaned up or like preserved. And I feel like it's toned down a little bit at once they switch to the digital animation, mm-hmm. which I think is halfway through the second season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was like, it was toned down a little bit, but yeah, in these first, these first 26, I believe that are still in the traditional, uh, animation style, um, or coloring style, right. uh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, it's, it's real drastic. Like it's, it's real, it's real purple. As you mentioned, his skin's real yellow. Like it's, <laughs> it's like Bruce, are you, are you doing okay, yeah. buddy? Do you need to go see a yeah. doctor? Yeah. Uh, so that, that's, uh, yeah, that's why I brought it down to eight, eight out of 10 for me. What about you? Yeah, I went nine out of 10. I think it's, it's mostly very good. I, I kind of agree with you that that, that, that those back cave scenes are a little awkward and, and like I said, some maybe I thought the uh, the opening scene was Bruce with Bruce's heart attack was just so overly dramatic <laughs> that it, it it almost went into comedy for me. Just the way he was clutching his chest and everything. And I, I understand again. It's it again. It, and it is a show for children, and you you can't do subtle with something like that. You sure. need to be making it clear what is happening. But again, watching it through maybe a little bit more of an analytical lens. Hey, it's still an opinion. Nine out of ten. Uh, not not quite not quite perfect yet, but very very good overall. And like I said, a lot of that comes from the design of the world. The backgrounds are very well done. Oh like, yeah. Uh, like, like we mentioned, and and sort of the difference again between the upper and lower cities, and the car, some of the car design, like Derek Powers' hover limo that he yeah shows up to intimidate Terry. In, How about Blight's look? Blight is awesome. That's the thing. That's the actual. We kind of mentioned that the, the final final scene. Much like with Brainiac on the first episode of Superman, uh, ends with the reveal that uh, Derek Powers is now a, a glowy skeleton man. <laughs> let's turn on. Let's <laughs> kill the radiation. Oops! All of your skin and hair fell out. <laughs> Sorry, sir. Right, which, uh, which obviously will become a big plot point throughout the, the series. But he looks great. And again, it's pretty simple. He's just a glowing skeleton, but he looks so cool. Yeah. And it, again, it's a u- completely unique design mm-hmm. within the DCAU. There's not really any other villain right. uh, who looks like him. And, I, and I've never really read if, if Blight was sort of supposed to be a takeoff of, uh, of the the original Batman villain, Dr. Phosphorus, or not. Mm-hmm. Similar kind of look and powers, so I would assume there might be some something there. I, I don't, I've never looked that up, but... Uh, similar, again, skull yeah. face that's on fire, kind of a Ghost Rider type look, but right. they didn't go that way. He's not, his head's not on fire, it's just it's just a skeleton that's glowing. From the green yeah. radiation that right. he absorbed. So it's, it's pretty, uh, it's a pretty striking look, and it's instantly memorable. And I think, I think that's what the the legacy for Batman Beyond as we go through this series and, you know, we watch some of these episodes um, as we review them is, to me, he the character designs because they they were able to kind of create some of these guys from scratch even if some of them are takes off take, you know take off of another uh, character or um, an homage or it's a futuristic in you know the return of the joker you have the futuristic version of the same joker that you're that you're used to right um they were able to do such cool you think of guys like spellbinder later on and yeah. and and uh and Shri- and shriek and um um uh, Stalker and mm-hmm. Ink, Ink, uh, Curare. Like mm-hmm. they have. There's a lot of cool looking 
villains that Definitely. they give that they give Batman. I mean, there's some stinkers too in there. You know, <laughs> Mad Stan isn't, <laughs> isn't like my favorite, but um, you know, you have you have some really cool, visually striking, memorable. Uh, villains that they give him in this and and blight i think it definitely adds to absolutely that. cool all right William, let's uh let's go to our final category of the day uh, which of course is voice acting uh why don't you tell the fine people at home uh who our key players are this week uh in our voice actors well the uh the obvious ones are our first time reviewing an episode with uh will Friedle as uh as terry mcginnis aka yep. batman mm-hmm. he's absolutely fantastic he's really good um it's funny because he was like he was a comedy actor. He was on Boy Meets World, probably most famously, and mm-hmm. has done tons of other voice acting jobs. Of course, he was uh, Ron on Kim Possible, the mm-hmm. Disney cartoon from the mm-hmm. the mid two thousands, and uh, just tremendous work. But there's a lot. He's got to do a lot of different types. He's not a one note character. Yeah. The scene where he's talking to his mother about when when it is first perceived to have been a Joker's attack mm-hmm. that killed his father, and he's talking about like. How they tr- how did they trace it back to me? And why did I leave? If I had been here, I could have stopped it. Tear, you haven't said a word all day. Don't you want to talk? Why would he open the door, Mom? What? They were jokers. He wouldn't have opened the door. He would have looked first. How'd they trace me back to him? Honey, we don't know if it's the same gang. You've got to stop. I should have been there. I could have helped him. I, I could have done something. No. Yes! I'm not afraid of those guys. We could have fought them off, me and Dad. We could have fought. I yelled at him, Mom. He grounded me, and I wouldn't listen. The things I said. I'm such a jerk. Guilt and emotion, emotion that Correct. he, he and, and again, as we mentioned, the scene where he's begging Bruce to to put the suit on. You've got to do something. You're Batman. There's a lot of. There's sadness, there's fear, there's, you know, uh, anger, determination. Like, he's got to have a multi-layered performance here, and it would be really easy to just be like, oh, I'm Teenage Batman, and make that really one note. I told you not to touch it. But aren't you going to go to... No. You built that company, and now Powers is making nerve gas there. You got to do something. You're Batman. I was Batman. Give this to Commissioner Barbara Gordon. Tell her I sent you. The cops? They'll never be able to... Do it. Something happened to you, didn't it? And it wasn't just that you got old. Or uh, kind of uh, annoying or lame, and he doesn't. He's he's tremendous. I think just to that, I think just thinking about that, I think this is this is a decision. This is a case where it was a good decision not to cast somebody that was like fifteen or sixteen for this role. Yeah. Um. Because I was thinking about that. It's like, oh, he's not. It's kind of weird. It's like a thirty-year-old guy playing a seventeen-year-old. But you're right. I think having the acting chops and the ability to kind of express that over the the different range of emotions that he had to, especially for this episode, I think it was the perfect casting choice for that. Definitely agree. Um. Other than that, we had uh we have Sherman Howard as Derek Powers. Who uh, famously, as been mentioned, he was basically made it to the final rounds of cuts to play Lex Luthor, and Clancy Brown, who had originally auditioned for Superman, uh, ended up they ended up I guess calling Clancy back in to read for Lex, and of course, I mean the rest is history. That's but which is super crazy. So so let me ask you, we had I think we had slightly differing opinions on on Derek Powers. What did you think of? Of Derek, he's a little. There's a few scenes where I feel he's a little over the top. Mm-hmm. It's very, you know, he's very evil corporate man, mm-hmm. which um, 
it can't like it. I understand why you would like it. I like I said, it, it kind of like it, it was just it, you're just very aware of what that character is supposed to be. That won't do you any good, Terry. Why don't you make it easy on yourself and give me back my disc? What disc? You know what I'm talking about. Right. What did you think? Yeah. I, th- I thought he was great, and it, it reminded me, as we were talking about it, of Mark Hamill as Ferris Boyle, hmm. um, in that he is the two-faced, like, slimy, okay, corporate guy that has puts on the this facade of being a humanitarian in the case of Ferris Boyle or in this, this case, you know, he's very concerned, you know, he has to, he has to communicate to Warren McGinnis yeah. uh, that he's very concerned about the employee that's contracted this uh, d- disease and that he's going to get better. And then, then when he's talking to Terry initially about Terry, have you ever ridden in a limo? Mm-hmm. And you know, the line that got, got me was when he says, your dad's not here anymore. Like, t- cause Terry, Terry gives him a nice quip of my dad told me never to get in the car with strangers. Yeah. He said, well, I'm not a stranger, and your dad's not here anymore. Oof. Yeah. Oh, man. So evil. Yeah. <laughs> like, but not, but like, not Skeletor evil to me. So that's fair. I, re- I really appreciate it. I, I think I can see, I can see what you're talking about. It is a little bit, it's not Lex. Like, I can see why they didn't yeah. go for Lex. Um, and maybe that, and that's maybe a point to your credit, onto your side of the argument, is that it's definitely very different than the Clancy Brown. It's a little less understated. It's a little more. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even say over the top because he's mostly most of his lines are delivered in a very like you know minor. Mm-hmm. He's not yelling. He's not monologuing. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, again, that's, that's it's just some minor stuff. I, sure. I definitely didn't hate it or anything, but it's just something to stand out to me. The other the other big villain of the episode, Mister Fix, who apparently <laughs> actually pulls the trigger on uh, on Terry's father. Uh, played by one George Decay. Uh, this was one I got to be that, honest. When we looked it up, I was like, "What?" <laughs> I mean, it's a very recognizable voice when you say it. Yes, but would not have would not have guessed that that was George yeah. Decay. You're pretty strong for some clown who thinks he's Batman. I am Batman. Uh, famous, of course, from Star Trek. Yes, and, and um, from your mom's Facebook page. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. Absolutely. Uh, anybody else? I, I know there was... Uh, so, of course, of course, Kevin Conroy as an oh, older Bruce Wayne. Uh, and the voice is different. He didn't just do... Bat- he's not just doing Batman and or and when he's Bruce Bruce Wayne later when he's meeting Terry's mom he's not just doing the old Batman the animated series voices. I think that's where his performance shined the most from where he is in that final scene despite the very distracting acoustic guitar. <laughs> you know Bruce putting on his fake oh Terry save me from a group of hooligans. Yes. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was so great. Terrence, sorry to get you up so early. It's okay. You never told me you knew Bruce Wayne. Well, actually, uh... Why, I owe this boy my life. He defended me against a bunch of hooligans once. I tried to reward him, but he absolutely refused. Uh, and, and you're right, it's not it's not Bruce Wayne, and it's not, you know, Batman. It's it's kind of somewhere, it falls in between. There. There's, a little ex- there's a little extra gravel to it, there's a little extra age to it, which yep. again shows... Uh, not breaking news, but Kevin Conroy's amazing talent He's as a voice really actor. He's really good. Yeah. <laughs> but his talent as a voice actor to, again, throw those little nuances in here. And uh, later on, of course, there's the Justice League Unlimited episode where he's playing both young Batman and old Bruce Wayne, and they're talking to each other. And you and you can hear in that scene, in those scenes especially, just the, the subtle differences where obviously it's still the same person, still the same voice, but... 
it's got that little extra gravel, that little extra age to it. That is, it's a little those little nuances again, those little touches that add so much to these shows. Yeah, I can't wait to watch that episode. It's a good episode. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I went. I I gave voice acting eight out of ten. Like we said, a little bit of a disagreement on on the villain voices. I thought they were a little a little bit over a little bit. Uh, over the top for my taste, but a really strong course. We of course have to mention uh, DCAU legend Corey Burton. I was going to say we can't Kesnian leave him out. Prime Minister. Yeah, he was really um, good. He it was like oh, it's Corey Burton. <laughs> yeah, he's doing a. I guess Kaznia is basically just Russia. We figured out right. Yeah, it's it's Russia. He looked a little like Gorbachev, and it's, yeah. it's like yeah, yeah, they yeah, definitely yeah. Russia. Yeah, and then just just rounding out the the cast, we had uh we had Michael Gross as Warren McGinnis. He's a pretty well-known uh, uh actor if you if you look him up you'll know who he is he does a, a fine job as sort of the concerned father and also the little bits we see of him interacting with powers when he's uh when he's trying to figure out what's going on is mm-hmm. good uh terry gars mary mcginnis is is good she doesn't have a lot to do but sort of her role is you know, we'll talk, is, i'm sure we'll talk about yes, her in later and, and it's established terry doesn't live with her so her coming having to come to him with her ex-husband now being dead, and and then the scene at the end with her and Bruce is, as you mentioned, is a lot of fun. Absolutely. And uh, of course, we cannot mention since we just talked about him as a voice actor last week, uh, Bruce Tim as the leader of the Joker's gang. It's okay, I can handle this. Who do you think you're talking to, old man? We're the Joker's. <laughs> he's I will say he's great. This is this is the defining Bruce Tim. Redemption voice this role. week is spelled B R U C E. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, I thought he was great as the Joker's villain. He doesn't have a ton to say, <laughs> but like everything he says is such a joy. And uh he does get to deliver the who do you think we are, old man, we're the Jokers. Yeah, that's Kevin a- and then, you know, Bruce and Terry get to beat them all up. And he does show up a few more times uh, throughout the series. This Joker's gang leader. This is true. Uh, voiced by Bruce Tim. So it's <laughs> so uh, so. If you were putting together a, a tape reel of like <laughs> his greatest acting bits, this would go on it. But last yes. week, last week's uh, performance in Beware the Great Ghost would not go on there. No, right? I don't. I don't. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, well, my score uh, based on just uh, everything that we just talked about, I gave it a ten out of ten. <laughs> So a perfect score for this week, uh, which uh, brings my total for our categories here uh, up to, let's see, we have uh, 31, it looks like. Yep, 31 uh, out of 40. Liam, what about you? I am also at 31. (laughs) But wait, it is the bonus point sound uh liam i have a bonus point Ooh. uh that i would like to add we didn't we actually didn't discuss this before we went on the we air but not. uh if you have a bonus point please feel free to to, to cut in also but i'm going to give the episode a bonus point uh as we briefly mentioned before for the new batman uh, theme song and intro um coming into uh, batman beyond the batman beyond theme song is legendary to me Absolutely. at least uh, ranks right up there uh, instantly memorable um, and we talked about in a time where shows were just using recycled 
footage from episodes, especially yeah. in the DCAU. You had recycled footage in Superman's intro. You had a somewhat like half and half when they did the new Batman Superman Adventures yes, intro. There's, there's a few original shots, but most of it is just clips with like little filters put over top right. of them. But this, there's a cool, instantly memorable, like you know, as soon as you see or hear the Batman Beyond intro come on, you know you're about to see a Batman Beyond episode. Like, it's instantly memorable. Um, so Absolutely. I, I'm giving us a, a tie-breaking bonus point <laughs> of uh, uh, for uh, for the new Batman and uh, Batman Beyond intro. Uh, any bonus points for you? Uh, no, not this week for me. So okay, we're cool. Gonna, we're going to sit where we are with our 31 for me and, and 32 for you. Perfect. All right, so that will uh, that will bring our, our scores. I had a lot of fun doing this one, Liam. It's great. I'm uh, I'm excited to to get to jump in here with this show and yeah, we're this... gonna stay here for a little while. Yeah, review a couple of these episodes before we decide what we're gonna do next. But yeah, it's it's it, and it's always fun. That's that's part of the fun of uh, being the uh, being able to to talk about the entire DCAU and. When we first were kind of workshopping ideas, we thought maybe we'll just do an animated series, you know, original Batman podcast, and just do a ranking of that and call it a day. And once we started to expand it and thought, hey, man, we could Batman <laughs> Beyond. And for me personally, uh, fun fact, I was banned by my father from watching this show for a while <laughs> because something on one episode scared me. Yep. So I was just told I wasn't allowed to watch it for a while. So I didn't get to see these episodes as much like I saw some, I would see them ones we had on that we taped off of TV uh, later on, and then obviously once the DVDs came out in the later two thousands, I saw them. But uh, it's also exciting for me because I don't have these aren't necessarily as ingrained in me the way that the uh, the Batman or Superman or certainly Justice League are. Sure. So uh, this is also kind of fun uh, specifically for me, just because I didn't I didn't see these as many times. So. I feel like I'm, I'm I have a little bit of fresher eyes with this compared to Batman or, or Superman. Sure, it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun. Um, all right, so with that, we will wrap things up. Thank you for listening to us. Uh, as always, whether you listen to us on iTunes at dcaureview.com or through the Google Podcast app, perhaps you listen to us another way. Uh, we thank you for checking us out. Don't forget to check us out on twitter liam you're the twitter dcau review t- twitter guru uh tell the good people what where and how well i just told them so <laughs> uh tell them what they can do to interact with us and how you'd like to hear from them. well we always like to get feedback on on our episodes obviously we like to we'd appreciate it if you give us a review on itunes that sort of stuff but as far as the twitter goes again you can find us at dcau review Love just hearing opinions on the episodes we're reviewing. Like, obviously, like we've talked about, we've jumped around a little bit. We've done a lot of Batman, early Batman, season one. We've done some various Superman. Now we're getting into Batman Beyond. Just love to hear people's memories of these shows. I was talking with somebody this week about uh, the different Japanese animation teams that put these shows together and... Uh, how that resulted in different sort of on or off model stuff. Really, that real nerdy Super stuff. Super nerdy. The good stuff, man, <laughs> that, I, that I live for is, is stuff like that. And certainly voice acting. I love seeing fan art that people tag us in. Absolutely. That's all really awesome. I, like, I really, really like being part of this community. It is really cool. Um, and everyone's very nice to us, which is also cool. <laughs> yes. So, yes. Uh, it's, it's a very nice it's, community. It's awesome. So... Uh, Thanks to everybody uh, for that, and definitely give us a follow there. Yes, Liam, they can also like us on Facebook, but more likely than not, that's like the worst way, right? Well, yes, Mark Zuckerberg, also known as the Derek Powers of social media companies, (laughs) uh, complete with, I'm pretty sure he's just a green glowing skeleton, (laughs) 
underneath his fake skin, um, uh, has decided if you want to run a any kind of a business or fan account or a page on on Facebook, you must pay in order to interact with the people that like your page, even if they've already liked your page. Right? Uh, they won't see it in their timelines unless you pay uh, for them to see it. We refuse. So we refuse to do that. Uh, we're. Uh, it's a big no. It's a big no from us, dog. And yeah. uh, we're uh, so we don't. We, you can find us on facebook.com slash DCAU review. If you'd like to talk to us there, we do check it occasionally. I do post the new episodes there still. But uh, yeah, generally Twitter would be the way. Or you can also head to dcaureview.com where uh, Cal has done a great job designing that site. You can check out episodes by category, by villain, by show anything you need as well as uh, streaming all our episodes and you can leave comments there as well so those would probably be the two ways that are are the best would be twitter or at dcaureview.com but either way we love like i said we love talking with people about the episodes we're doing what we should do next i'll probably run in some twitter polls about what we should do after we're we're done with this twitter poll (laughs) it's been a while it's been a while since we did a twitter poll maybe we'll review another movie and you guys can help us pick that out that'd be great but uh yeah so definitely follow us on twitter there and uh hey love talking with you guys awesome all right well that will do us for this week's episode i'm cal and i'm liam and we will talk to you on next week's episode bye bye